All right, welcome to uh, it's a big week for inappropriate. Oh, we got Steady Freddie Corey, the drummer from Cinderella's episode, dropping. Maybe today this might be a double banger. Uh, you know, uh, you people are complaining I don't do the episodes uh, quick enough. You you get people to your house, you buy the equipment, you record it, you edit it, you do a better job, and then you can complain. Until then, uh, leave a review on iTunes for me, will you? You can't do that on SoundCloud yet, but, uh, you know, support Earl. You know, you want to support the artists, well, support them. Listen, review it, rate it. Man's a fucking paid regular now. Yeah, I'm protected now. Come to the comedy store. Call the comedy store. Ask when Earl Skakel's going to be there. He can now park in the comedy parking lot and doesn't have to just walk from Equinox. Well, I could do that anyway. I mean, comedy store employees aren't exactly known for their uh, sticking of the rules. Uh but uh you know and go see roast battle every tuesday night uh, at the comedy store where i play uh the house hater formerly known as the house racist but the heat was uh the heat was too much for me and whitney rice who was my uh, partner in crime so we had to go underground and i don't mean the railroad <laughs> so uh all right today we got a very uh, tonight this is sunday night after the ufc uh fight night in boston where we had uh, two white guys fighting uh, I never like seeing that, but uh, you know, I'm not. Seems in wrong, doesn't it, Earl? Well, you know, it's the wrong sport. Hockey, yes, but UFC, no. But uh, you know, it seems like there should be a Brazilian in there somewhere or something. Well, that's the next fight they're giving. They're really building up this guy, Conor McGregor. Uh, you know, they need a, a a white guy from Ireland to. Uh, you know, you can't just market to the the. Uh, Brazilians and uh, you know you gotta have uh, and he's a great bad guy he's like a white Apollo Creed but he backs it up he killed a guy tonight Dennis Seaver uh, who's like number five in the world and he made him look like he was like you know an no amateur shit. so but we're not here to talk about UFC that's another podcast uh, but it is funny that an Irish guy won tonight given the hue of my TV screen which is uh that's the direct TV guy. Uh, yeah, looks like a St. Patrick's Day festival. The direct TV guy, when he came over the other day to give me my new receiver, asked me if I had it set to night vision. So, uh, which uh, kind of does look like that. Uh, maybe it's the American Sniper. Uh, is John TV Jones screen. playing an alien in something right now, or? No, uh, John Jones is currently in rehab for his uh, cocaine addiction. No, he left. Addiction. He left after a day. Isn't that crazy? One day. Well, maybe he got fixed. It's what happens when you're the UFC's golden boy. You know, if you're the Diaz brothers and you smoke weed, uh, you know, you get a uh, six, seven, eight, nine month suspension. Uh, but you're John Jones and you like to do the tootie tootie, the booger <laughs> sugar, you know, one day and out. So, but this is our guest tonight, uh, the great Jordan Lee, who might be setting an inappropriate Earl record tonight by this is might be your fourth yeah, man. episode. Uh, yeah. If I'm the only one willing to make the trip over here, then I'm going to be the most often well, guest. I mean, you know, I got and Carlos. And I fucking walked. Yeah, yeah. He walked to do this gig. Of the four and a half miles for this shit. It took me four months to get the singer from Rats, Stephen Piercy, here. And uh taken me uh, about as long to edit the Fred Corey episode. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Fred's a pro. He's a pro's pro. And, uh, you know, he, he was a great uh, guest. You know, it's kind of neat to... Ha I can say that I've had my favorite singer and drummer in my home. That's awesome. I mean, not many people can say that. Was he impressed with your t-shirt collection? I took him into the jersey room and he freaked out. He literally stopped in his tracks 
And before I opened the door, I said, Fred, because he's a huge hockey guy. Oh, okay. And he does the music to the King Games. So oh, okay, okay. If you're ever at the King Games and you hear, like, you know, Kiss or Rat. Yeah. Or, you know, or, or Cinderella. Cinderella. He doesn't, you know, you'd think he would just jam it with Cinderella songs, but he doesn't. You know, uh, I think he even played a Britney Fox song once. I'm like, wow, who's, who's mixing this stuff? And... Uh, you know, he stopped dead in his tracks, and he was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest room I've ever seen, and he started taking pictures to send to all his friends, and, uh, you know, he likened it to walking into Rick Nielsen's guitar room. Did you let him choose a jersey to take home? No, those things are too much money. <laughs> I'm not giving anyone any uh, hockey jersey unless you got a PayPal account or cash. <laughs> People don't understand how expensive those things are. I mean, you know, that's a condo in a condo. But don't you think that, in a way, it's kind of like a uh, – they're only going to be valuable for a certain amount of time while that player's rem- remembered? Like, I think about that with – because I collect autographs, people that I meet and stuff, and I sit here and go, yeah, that would have been cool to have, uh, like, the Chicago Bulls that, from when I was growing up, like, maybe a basketball signed by Bill Cartwright. But now who the fuck would care about Bill Cartwright? Who would even remember him? But the older, uh, you know, it depends on the player, you know, like. Oh, that's uh, what I'm asking. That's what I was wondering. You know, the, sometimes the further they've been retired, the more valuable it is. Uh, Plus, just when the jerseys get changed, when the team quits using that style or whatever, those are now like vintage jerseys. Oh, and I have a lot of dead players' jerseys. Those really skyrocket. You know, Wade Belak, I have a whole bunch of his shirts. Uh uh, who else uh, did I have? Uh, Derek Bugard, the boogeyman. Who oh, I, yeah. I think, uh, from what I understand, Peter Berg is making a movie about him. Oh, really? Uh, well, it's it's probably a hard sell to get a hockey movie off the ground. Yeah, but Peter Berg can probably do it if anybody can. He's got oh, a pretty yeah. good track record right now. I know he did the Dennis Bird, uh, t- I think it was a TV movie about the, I think it was the Eagles player who got paralyzed. Yeah. Or, no, no, Jets. I think or, he was yeah. on the Jets. And uh, so if anyone can, but, you know, I don't know uh, what studio would, you know, really want to finance the Derek Bugard story. I mean, it's kind of a sad story. And, you know, you're going to need to find a guy 6'8", 260, 70 pounds who can ice skate fairly well. And so that's uh, the cast. So- sounds like a job for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Well, he was in a hockey movie, The Tooth Fairy. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, because the guy's in everything else, man. My buddy, the great uh, legendary AHL and minor league enforcer, John Craighead, who I have many of his jerseys. He's a a pretty big black dude. He was the Rock's stunt double. And uh, probably one of the greatest shows I've ever had was uh, uh, when I was uh, helping run the Lucky Strike Bowling Lanes Comedy Hour, the Power Hour. Uh, he actually was in town, and I was hosting the show. And after every comic, I would put on a different one of his jerseys. When he was he there? Yeah, he was. Oh, there. that's awesome. And so I, well, yeah, because the Lucky Strikes literally—I mean, it's pretty much attached to the giant uh, Crown Plaza or whatever that big hotel is right there. Yeah, the I think it's a Lowe's wherever, hotel. Now. Yeah, where everybody stays for the Kodak Theater and all that stuff. So, so I had sense. like. 10 comics and after every comic i would wear like his manitoba moose jersey and then i'd go into the back and put on his uh, nottingham panthers jersey and then 
how long did it take you to comb that room to find all of his jerseys? Because there's no way you had them categorized. It's all player. alphabetically ordered. Oh my god, really? Took wow. me six days. Holy shit, dude! Hundreds of jerseys. I used to do that with baseball cards, but you're talking shirts here. But those jerseys were all at one point in time. It was just a cluster, uh, fuck of you know randomness. And then when I started selling them. You know, it would take me two days to find a uh, Roger Maxwell London Knights jersey. I'm like, I'd literally have to just throw them, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'd have to alphabetically put them in order. So it, it took me six days because it was just craziness. But, uh, you know. Holy shit. Wow. But that's not why I have you on the show today. Yeah. There was a... Uh, legendary concert that took place last week at the la forum the renovated la forum which i have not been to yet you uh, could almost you could almost not call it a concert and call i mean it, they called it a birthday celebration yeah i mean it was billed as a foo fighters concert but it yeah was, uh, what what happened was um okay this is kind of going back a while but i when i moved out here in 2000 uh i stayed at a hostel when i first moved here and one of the people I met in the hostel turned out to go to the – I was here to go to music school. We ended up going to the same music school. We're in all the same classes. And then I was selling an amplifier, and he came to buy it, wanted to re be a recording engineer, and listened to a song of mine and said, I'll record anything you want for you. I like your, your music. We became best friends, and now, to this day, out of our class, we're the only two that are left in California. We had a band together for, like, over 10 years, and his favorite – recording engineer and musician is dave grohl so for all these years we've always said we're going to go see the foo fighters at some point together well this friend of mine um now he's swedish he's now got his green card he's got all this stuff going and he we, we finally he's making money so he's like we're going to this dave grohl announced on the foo fighters website like or on the twitter something like in an hour Tickets for a special show at the Forum for charity are going to go on sale. All the tickets are $50. Um, $10 of that will go to the charity, whatever the name of the charity was. My friend's like, hey, are you available Saturday night to go to this? I'm going to buy tickets when they go on sale in an hour. So I was like, yeah. He, so we're like, okay, awesome. All the tickets went on sale for 50 bucks. So we know they have a new album. We assumed it was like maybe a kickoff, kind of like a practice show before the tour. Because it's such a last minute. I mean, tickets went on sale on, like, Thursday for a Saturday show. That's extremely last minute. Um, we go to the show. They announce that there's no opener before we, we even went, whatever. We get there at 8 o'clock. They take the stage, and Dave Grohl says, you think you came for a Foo Fighters show, but you got a lot more than that. This is my birthday party, and I invited a bunch of my friends, and we're going to play all night long. And he introduced Paul Stanley, and Paul Stanley came out, and they immediately kicked off with Detroit Rock City. Which was rare to uh, hear a, a Kiss song in 2015 actually played in the right key. Well, yeah, because he had a phenomenal band behind it. Um, and, you know, Paul, who, who are you going to have kick it off with Paul? Paul's pretty good about that. He seems to be a guy that likes the attention, likes to talk. And when you hear... Uh, who else ended up showing up? Most of those people you wouldn't want behind a microphone talking. So uh, Paul came out, did two songs, and then what they ended up doing was 
each guest would come out do two songs and then the Foo Fighters would play like three or four hits of their songs and then they bring out another guest. And that second Paul Stanley song, for those of you wondering, and I think you can YouTube it now. All the clips are out there. Is uh, the great uh, "Do You Love Me"? Yep. So they did "Do You Love Me." Then they left. Uh, Paul Stanley left the stage. Pranced. He didn't leave. The yeah, stage. yeah. He, he he galloped off he the stage. Sashay. <laughs> and and to be fair, fucking awesome way to start the show come out and do detroit rock city it just it got the whole crowd pumped because nobody really knew what was going on and this was a state this was pretty cool because there they made sure that there wasn't a bad seat in the house they had one of those stages that was in the round right uh that went out there was like a runway that went all the way out to the middle of the stage and then the stage rotated so um you pretty much always had the foo fighters facing you at some point in right. the night um and then after about four songs, we hear them doing kind of an interlude, and I look over at my friend and I go, "That sounds like Welcome to the Jungle." It sounded like the uh, like the doon to doon to doon, just that kind of intro to Welcome to the Jungle, and uh, and I said, I, "It's got to be them." And we, I look down, I see Guitar Tech carrying around a Cherry Burst Les Paul, and I go, "Okay, it's either Jimmy Page or it's Slash." Well, next thing you know, he in- introduces Tenacious D and Slash, and they come out. And Tenacious D had arranged for some balloons. And they're like, Dave, we got 46 balloons we're going to drop for your birthday. And 46 balloons come down. Then he goes, we're just fucking with you. And all of a sudden, the entire ceiling, just balloons start dropping of various sizes and various colors. And they start playing uh, Tie Your Mother Down by Queen with Jack Black singing. Um, Fucking amazing. And they go right from that into Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. And if you if you can YouTube it, YouTube it because you'll be shocked to hear how great Jack Black actually sounds doing those songs. Yeah, that is weird. I would think uh, he would like do it almost like Roseanne Barr did the national anthem, fucking around and. No, well, I mean, he was fucking around. If you know Ten- Tenacious D, he really kind of like overdoes everything anyway, but he sounded great, and you could tell Dave Grohl was just like in heaven. He was all smiles the whole night. And the band's fucking really good. I mean, really fucking good. So I, uh, of course, I sent a text message right before my phone's dying to Dean Del Rey because he was doing a show with uh, Joey Diaz that I was going to go to until I found out about this thing. Um, and Dean actually knew about it. He was friends with the keyboard player, I guess the guys from the Wallflowers, that Rami Jaffe. And he said, yeah, it's going to be an amazing show. Keep me posted as to who's there. So the Foo Fighters do another couple of songs, and then they bring out um, the bass player of Queens of the Stone Age, Nick Oliveri. And for you uh, real fucking metal fans, uh, they played a cover of one of my favorite artists. A lot of people don't know. His name's Rocky Erickson. And uh, Rocky Erickson was kind of the founder of, like, horror music almost. Um, He was uh given the wrong medication back in the 70s and pretty much went schizophrenic and uh was locked away in a mental institution for years and would would kind of like sneak out escape and then end up back in there so the guy there's documentaries on him the guy's really a far out there guy but his music just never really got heard so now since dave Grohl's doing that tv show that um the uh the highway show um 
he kind of featured Rocky Erickson on there. And so Nick Oliveri came out and they played Two Headed Dog. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is like, and Nick Oliveri, that's not an easy song to sing. If, if anybody knows that song, it's actually fucking really hard. And, and he nailed it. So that was, that, to me, that was almost the highlight of my night right there. And it was just getting started. Um, oh, shit. You know, I actually forgot. Um, before Nick Oliveri came out, he had Alice Cooper come out. And Alice Cooper came out and they did 18 and School's Out. Oh, wow. Yeah, Dave Grohl just, you know, he goes, the next guy, when I think about who I would want to, to come out and sing at my birthday, like, this is the first name at the top of my list. Alice Cooper comes out and he's wearing like a a cardigan, like almost like a high school cardigan with like a C on it. And and then like on the one of the arms, it says 66. And after he gets done, before he leaves the stage, he goes, Dave, I just wanted you to know this is my actual cardigan from high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Holy shit. So for all you out there, Alice Cooper graduated in 1966. That graduated what? <laughs> high school? College? <laughs> So, um, some of the other guests, let's see who else. Um, then he brought out Zach Wild, and they played um, NIB by Black Sabbath and, and Fairies Wear Boots, which was awesome, except for the fact I'm not used to hearing pinched harmonics throughout an entire song. Yeah, Zach loves those good old... Yeah, the elephant squeals. So, it was a lot of that, but it was still awesome. I mean, it was just like Zach Wild. You're never going to bitch about seeing the Foo Fighters performing with Zach Wilde doing uh, Black Sabbath songs. Oh, he's great. I mean, I saw him uh, do the national anthem at a King game once, and, uh, you know, it was a little over the top. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he looks like he's out there to murder somebody with his guitar, but he was fucking great. Oh, he's Um, a great player. And then uh, the Foo Fighters, and and the Foo Fighters did everything. Literally, the the set at the end of the night was 31 songs, and I can't think of one hit other than, like, Big Me that they didn't play. They played Learning to Fly, Everlong, all that stuff. Um, Even This Is a Call from the first album, which was, it was pretty much like their first song. Um, And then they brought out Perry Farrell, which I don't, I don't know, Earl, you, you grew up in the L.A. scene. I, I grew up in Ohio, so I didn't get into Jane's Addiction until they were pretty much over, but Jane's Addiction was like a big thing in L.A., wasn't it? Well, I got more into that uh, Kiss tribute band with the four uh, jeans called Jane's Addiction. (laughs) (laughs) I was more into them. But I actually went to uh, high school with a drummer from uh, Jane's Addiction, the great Stephen Perkins. Oh, no shit. Wow. I I didn't really know him, but... uh, you know, yeah, they were a big deal. Them and the Chili Peppers. Yeah, whole... exactly. So he came out, and they did um, the Mountain Song, and then they did um, Miss You. They start playing Miss You by the Rolling Stones, and I'm sitting here watching, going, "What the fuck's going on?" Because nobody's singing. They're playing the song, and nobody's singing. Then you realize that Perry doesn't know the words. Well, that's cool. Yeah, and so the drummer uh, Taylor, Taylor Hawkins. Hawkins. He starts singing the song, and then afterward, Perry actually says, "Oh, I told these guys on the I told these guys on the phone today that I don't know the lyrics, so they're gonna have to do it for me." He's got that real high pitched, right. squealy, squealy voice, um, which was cool. I mean, it was what I liked about it was it, there wasn't one set genre of musicians that he had there. He really had people from all over the map. Um, what he, did Slash play? 
Slash played with Tenacious D doing the um, doing the uh, Tie Your Mother Down by Queen and and the Immigrant Song. Um, and I, and all night I just keep going like, who the fuck will he bring out? Because it's like Dave Grohl knows everybody, and he's one of those guys that everybody's uh, everybody it, it widely respects him in this town. So, um, so then he starts bring he starts announcing like the heavy hitter, and this is one that really blew me away but see when we got to the show uh my friend went to stand in line to get us alcohol and i went to the bathroom and i hear one of these guys one of these kind of blowhard know-it-alls in the line and he had said he goes oh yeah man my buddy just texted me he's in the vip and he said he's already ran into members of queens of the stone age kiss van halen alice cooper and i'm sitting there like listen over you know overhearing this guy going here's another one of these fucking guys it's like uh, you know, wants to make everybody think he's connected. Well, sure enough, the guy was fucking right. So all night long, as these people are coming out, I look at my friend. I go, "Dude, Van Halen's gonna be here. Eddie Van Halen's gonna be here." Because I've already heard that he somebody saw him. And uh, well, it's probably the mom from Throw Mama from the Train. <laughs> That's looking a little rough. So, uh, so yeah. So then he, so Dave Grohl, they, you know, they do some more songs, and then he goes. This next guy is kind of this is bucket list shit everyone. I've had a lot of my friends out here tonight, but this guy is a guy I don't even know. This is a guy I he's he's just coming out to do do a favor and I fucking love this guy. This is a guy that we uh, like most of us wouldn't even be here without that guy and I'm like Eddie fucking Van Halen. Holy fucking shit. And he goes, "David Lee Roth." And David Lee Roth comes out Wearing a hat, he's got like a newsboy hat. He's he, I know he's been living in Japan, studying like that that whatever the Shogun stuff is with the swords. Uh, so I think he's been engulfed by the Japanese culture because he had I those bet. like those big baggy jeans that they all wear with like the weird like multicolored patterns on the pockets and stuff. He had a skin tight shirt that looked like it was a painted on tattoo, and he has this hat on. And he's prancing around the stage doing his thing. And then he just goes for it, man. He takes the fucking hat off and he shaved his head to the skin. Oh, man. Chrome, chrome dome ball. Dude, it, it's been going for a while. He committed to it at least. And they did Panama. And uh, what the fuck else did he do? Um, Ain't Talking About Love, I think, was the other one. Or Did he sing the songs or did he talk them? No, he actually sang them. He sang him, man, if you can believe that. So you're thinking at this point, there's not a lot left. I mean, and even and even D- Dave says, he's like, we're not going to do a fake, like, leave the stage and come back and do a, a shitload of encores. We're just going to play literally till we can't till we can't play anymore, till our f- hands are ready to fall off. So at this point, they're going on almost four hours and he goes, all right, guys, you know, we're almost done. And they he starts playing Everlong, which just makes the crowd go fucking insane. And he says, uh, well, that's the last Foo Fighters song for the night, but we want to bring up one last guest. And if there's anybody that you'd ever want to play your birthday, or there's anybody I would ever want to play my birthday, this is the guy. I love this guy, and this guy's everything that's right with the world and rock and roll. And you see a man that looks like he's got no blood in his veins, Skin's almost as white as a ghost. Clay Aiken? <laughs> Very close. A man on each side escorting him up some stairs. 
I'm thinking, oh my God, he's going to introduce Ozzy. And here comes Lenny Kilmeister from Motorhead. Oh yeah, they're good buds. He's got Lemmy up there, and then Zach Wild and Slash both come walking out, and I'm like, this is going to be a disaster, because if anybody knows anything about those two guys, they're both lead guitarists, and whenever I've ever seen both of them in a jam, they just both solo. So you're going to have two guys just... You know, just constantly, like, one's going to be doing blues riffs, and one's going to be doing metal riffs the whole night. And that's pretty much what it turned into. What Le- songs did they sing? They only did one song. They did a... Um, Ace of Spades? No, it was actually a Chuck Berry song. But you couldn't tell... You know, Chuck Berry's songs all pretty much have the same kind of beat and the same riffs and everything. They were playing... Slash and, and Zach were playing so loud, you couldn't hear what Lemmy was saying. You could just see him up there moving. But when he started walking on stage, man, the guy was so thin and so rail-like, right. he almost fell over. And it was almost kind of scary that you were going to see Lemmy actually like break in half at this show. Well, I mean, he's got a pacemaker. He's got to be over 60. Yeah. And, but, uh, I mean, fuck, dude. I mean, it was one of those shows that a lot of people were just gigantic Foo Fighters fans. And they ended up getting to see maybe one of the coolest events of their lifetime, not knowing what they were walking into. Well, I love those jam concerts. Never right. Ever. I mean, and, and like, and like I told you, you know, uh, the friend of mine that w- he's wanted to see him for f- literally, f- we're going on 15 years and we finally now had enough money to go and to walk in and go, holy shit. The first show we're ever seeing is Dave Grohl's birthday party. And they were, and we didn't, we never stopped at the merch booth on the way in so we didn't notice uh but it dawned on me halfway through i'm like oh i keep seeing women walking around with like clear trash bags full of shirts there must be something unique about these shirts if they're stock i mean literally they're buying 20 or 30 shirts like they're like fucking santa claus walking around with shirts i go look and they had made special like birthday show shirts with like a pic- almost like a fake license of dave Grohl, like a drawing and they had a marker up there and they said like write your name here on the shirt and then it had the date where you could fill it in the right. date for the show real collectible kind of thing like they're already the day after the show they were being sold on eBay for like starting at 100 bucks so the vultures were out just oh, yeah. you know just buying everything up and this shit their shit was pretty reasonably priced all their shirts were like 20 to 25 bucks which i thought was pretty awesome considering when I go to shows, almost all the shirts are like 40 bucks now. Oh, yeah. Tw- at least the Kiss is uh, pricing structures. You know, right out of Planet Marsville. I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was it was ridiculous. But we, we, we leave the, we're leaving the concert, and it's just like a clusterfuck. But we, we got turned around as we're leaving inside the Forum parking lot. Couldn't really find where we had parked. Um, and so we just kind of like start looking for the most open space and we start walking through, we find out that we're walking through the talent parking because they have like road cones up on each of these spaces with their name. And we saw like names that, you know, some, some of the names of the people that have performed, but one of the names that we saw that was supposed to perform that didn't show up actually stiff the concert was Gwen Stefani, which I thought would have been pretty interesting to see Gwen Stefani performing with the Foo Fighters. Just, yeah. to, you know, it would have been like the only woman at the show as far as performers. And it would have been unique, but she didn't she didn't uh, clearly didn't make it. Um, Where, did any uh, did you see any other names that uh, didn't make it? 
those were the only uh no i saw that i saw like paul stanley's you know most of them were people that were there but that was the main one that we were talking about I'm like oh, holy shit gwen stefani had the balls to stand up dave Grohl's birthday party who does shit like that mm. well, who knows what the circumstance was but it's, oh well, she's probably got kids or something and yeah She's not going to leave her fucking two-year-old kid to go play. That well, she's song. married to the guy from Bush, right? From Bush, yeah. He's got nothing going well, on. Can he babysit? So that was pretty much it. You know, n- nothing like kind of hard to relive it in a podcast, but it was That's uh, for somebody like Dave Grohl who, when you really break it down, you're like, the guy was the drummer in maybe the most, the biggest band. Nelson? Of, <laughs> of the 90s who literally... They're not my favorite band, but they changed the face of rock and roll. I remember when it happened, you know, like you you and I have talked about it. It's like it went from Guns N' Roses and Warrant on the radio to Smells Like Teen Spirit almost overnight. Yeah, all those 80s metal bands were gobbled up like Pac-Man balls. And the, and, and the guy was like, you know, the drummer in a three-piece band, which got him a lot of notoriety at the time. And then after the band had the balls to... St- to set out and try and have a second band where he was the front man and then actually made it bigger. You know, I would say as far, I would say he gets a lot more notoriety and respect for being from the Foo Fighters when you hear the name Dave Grohl than you do from Nirvana anymore. Probably makes more money because of that twat Courtney Love. Yeah, sh- dude, she is a twat. Well, she was awful in Sons of Anarchy. She she had the acting chops of Ronnie from the Jersey Shore in that Zenadrin commercial. Probably looked like him too. Well, she would just like had one line every episode, and she'd deliver it as stiff as a Lexington steel boner. <laughs> was she? Did she get herself nominated for any uh, any Emmys for? No, I don't think uh, it's one liners. They didn't give Sons of Anarchy any Golden Globes. I mean, it's like the best show on TV, and it got stiffed. So uh, maybe it'll win something at the All White Oscars, but uh, <laughs> shit, I don't think. Uh, you know, I love how people complain that all the nominations were white. I mean, you know. well, I thought of you immediately, man, because as soon as the show started and Paul Stanley came out there, I'm just thinking, I wonder if Earl knew this was going to if, if like in it through any of your channels no. that this had been leaked or mentioned or I don't even know. Are, who's your favorite as far as like the main members of Kiss, the core four. Vinny Vincent. Yeah, core four, yeah, I'm I saying. I would say Paul. Yeah, was it Paul? That's Is what I thought. The, uh, I thought you liked his songs better, and I was just like, that's pretty interesting for, you know, and, and especially like the, uh, seeing the David Lee Roth appearance. I wonder if David and Paul were fighting over young boys backstage. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I thought of that, too, but I think that Dave Grohl knew that was a possibility, and that's why he made them, like, three hours apart in the show. Yeah, I mean, but they're probably friends. I mean, you know. Well, they could tag team guys together if they wanted to. I mean, mean, that's how much pussy those guys, those two have gotten where dick is just boredom. It's not gay. I had heard that there was a rumor that um, the Van Halen's finishing up or has finished up a new album. And it kind of would make sense now that that's possible, considering that David Lee Roth was in town, because I, mean, I he had said on on his podcast, the David Lee Roth show or, or Roth podcast or whatever it was, that he pretty much just lives in Japan now full time. Yeah, I mean he's he's a weird dude, and uh, but you know, in immaculate shape, I'll give him that. I mean, I don't think he could be in better shape than that. He was doing the leg kicks that were. 
far yeah. and away over his head. But now his leg kicks are more like mid-calf kicks. I mean, he, he's having a rough time. Uh, I don't know, man. He's he he's pretty in shape now. Oh, he's got we'll his see. body is great. But when I saw him at Staples Center uh, about maybe two, three years ago, opening up for uh, or no, they uh, with Cool in the Gang. Yeah, I was at that. Let me ask you. It's rough. What was we, what was that whole like somewhere the midpoint or through three fourths of the way through the show? He just starts showing a video of him like and his dogs. training dogs. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, I know he does it, but I think it was right after Ice Cream Man. I was gonna say it didn't fit the show at all. It didn't make any sense. Uh, there was I could see it if if throughout the show there was a. A little mini documentary like that on each member, so you could like, you know, here this is about Wolfgang, so you know about him or whatever. But just to do one about David kind of seemed. I know it doesn't sound like David, very egocentric. I mean, yeah, I didn't. And then uh, I remember at the show I was at, he talked about eating pussy for five minutes with <laughs> Wolfgang Van Halen, and uh, Wolfgang looked a little like, uh, "Dad, get this guy away from me." <laughs> You know. Dead is creepy freaking friends. Hey, well, I thought Wolfgang did a pretty good job on the bass. He's not the backing vocals of Anth- uh, Michael Anthony, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? They uh, Eddie wants to play with his kid now. so. Well, like, I know. That's that's such a strange situation because I, I've heard, I've seen him interviewed where he, where he doesn't get why people criticize that move. And, in fact, I've heard him say, like, literally say, this is a family band. Why? Why would why Why would Michael Anthony think that, like, once we can get a family member in there, that that we wouldn't have a family member in there? Like, it's a family band. It's always been a family band. Well, I mean, uh, you so know, if Wolfgang has a kid, he could probably be the singer in about ten years. Well, it probably sing better than the. I, mean, I can't imagine what David Lee Roth is going to sing like in his seventies. I mean, well, have faith, man. You never know. Some of these guys have. True talent and talent will out. Well, I mean, Wolfie's a pretty good bass player for a kid who's 20. I mean, you got to figure Mike, Michael Anthony's been playing bass for probably literally 40 years. He's so. not running out of projects to work on. People oh. really love Michael Anthony. He's always worked. Wasn't he in Chicken Foot for a while? Chicken or? Foot plays with Hagar. You know, he probably got uh, publishing. Uh, I mean,. You know, Van Halen sold over 100 million records, uh, so he's he's not hurting for money. Yeah. You know, he's uh, that's the reason why Hagar doesn't even really play a lot of music anymore. He's, he's got his tequila business. He's, I mean, some of these guys aren't idiots. Fred Corey from Cinderella's uh, doing music scores on big movie and TV shows. So uh, I think a lot of 80s musicians get the astigmatism of... Uh, you know that documentary decline of the western civilization too like they're all idiots in a pool up in the hills drinking vodka like chris holmes but well here dude i'll, I'll say this about the 80s this is the one thing that it did really do as far as the music uh that shit was not easy to play guitar playing in the 80s was not easy so if there was one thing that people were dedicated to at the very least is was the musicianship back then was being as impressive, was being as flashy as possible to one-up the next band. So a lot of those guys really turned out to be phenomenal musicians, and most of the drummers could all play guitar, they could all play multiple instruments, just 
just because you know like the the even though they weren't an eighties band, Weezer, the drummer at Weezer was not actually a drummer. How it happened was that they were all roommates and that they all had their own band, like they all wrote their own songs. And so when they recorded shit together, it was like, okay, well, when we do Pat's thing, Rivers will be the drummer of Pat's band. Matt will be the bassist. And that's, it's just Weezer happened to take off before the other bands took off. Pat was actually prided himself on being a guitar player and had his own band called The Special Goodness. So, And I know that happened a lot back then. It was just like, well, I can play drums. This band needs a drummer. I'll be a drummer for now until, you know, until I want to play guitar again or be a bass player again somewhere else. Oh, yeah, a lot of those bands, uh, you know, Wenger, you know, always gets kind of shit on for their look and, you know, their sappy songs. But I'll put uh, Red Beach up against any guitar player on earth. And the drummer is like this amazing, the great Jew, the Jew drummer, Rod Morgenstein. Yeah. Like this fusion jazz, you, you know, virtuoso on drums and C.C. DeVille's classically trained guitar player. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, right. Well, what who the uh, Steve Stevens? Oh, dude, you the, he, he's like a flamenco guitarist. Dude, he put out a flamenco album called Flamenco a Go Go, and if you don't tell anyone it's Steve Stevens and you just say listen to this, you're like, this guy is the Mexican Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, and, yeah, right. And then you say this is who played it, and you show him a picture of Steve Stevens. You're like, oh Jesus Christ. It looks like a New Jersey housewife. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, th- he's like a, the perfect example of, uh, you know, a guy who never gets credit for being an amazing player just because of how he looked. or And he looks the same. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, him, Jakey e. Lee, uh, you know, Zach Wilde doesn't get the credit because he looks like uh, hey, di- well, I Hell's mean, Angels Steven freak. Adler. Adler. If you look back to, if you listen back to some, there were some really, I mean, a lot of those Guns N' Roses songs, kind of what made the song for me was the changes in the drums. Some of the different things he did, how he played the, you know, just little like tweaks and little bells and whistles, the way he used, changed things up, little cowbell that are now like signature things people put in there as an homage to, to like the Guns N' Roses sound. I mean, I think he was like he was like the drummer from the Cars. He was the perfect drummer for that band. Right. You know, it's like Bobby Blotzer from Rat. Is Cheap trick. Bunny yeah. Carlos said the same thing. He's like, people. Anybody that w- ever wants to criticize my playing, just listen to the songs. The song, the songs were there. My job was not to show off, you know, to show up the lyrics and the melody. My job was just to fit in to the way the song's supposed to flow. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of those guys just. The 80s was such a flash and dash era, but mo- most of them could play. There was a couple of guys who you know, probably didn't have a lot of... Well, and anybody that was that would be uh, that's interested in this podcast about that, the about uh, kind of the announce... Yeah, yeah. That, well, maybe five. Um, Dave Grohl did say that they're coming back in August and doing a show at the Forum again. And that he plans on having a lot of guests at that show as well. So, n- who, hard telling who it will be, but I could definitely see him uh, trying to top this show. And s- and he said that he's like, this show will be impossible to top, but the next time we're here, we're gonna try. So, get your tickets when they go on sale. If you like Dave Grohl or any of those musicians, because it's probably gonna be a blowout 
concert for this place. I'll be at that one. So Well, the thing I like about the forum is the forum literally still feels like you are in an 80s or 70s concert. It's, oh, it, oh, it's they haven't repainted it. It's still like when you look around, it's still like yellowed walls, really out of date, you know, kind of smells like old beer and cigarettes. It's just like it's the perfect venue. I saw Guns N' Roses there a few years ago. I saw Fleetwood Mac there recently. It just really kind of sets the tone for a great show. And it's not too big either. Oh, I went to so many uh Great shows at the Forum, many L.A. King games, Laker games when they were good. Uh, I even went to that was Showtime Lakers, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that's you know Bob McAdoo, uh, Kareem, you know Kareem, Jamal Wilkes, you know Michael Cooper, uh, Nor- Storm and Norman Nixon, Spencer Haywood, and even when the white guys were playing actually in the league, uh, <laughs> Mark Cousy. Landsberger, Don Ford, Tom Abernathy, and uh, the great Jerry uh, West. Yeah, Jerry West, who a lot of people don't know is the logo of the NBA. Yeah, and uh, white. Yeah, what is white, and uh, you know, and then uh, I don't know what happened. Uh, the league moved to Kenya or something. Oscar Robertson came into the league and it all changed. Yeah, Elgin Baylor. and you know, I saw Elgin Baylor once at the supermarket. And, uh, you know, there's one of the greatest players of all time. Right. And, uh, you know, we were right next to each other, so we had to say something to each other. And I'm like, hey, man, I loved you in that episode of The White Shadow. And he looked at me like, what the fuck? I mean, I'm one, <laughs> I'm one of the... One of the greatest basketball players ever, and you want to talk about an episode of The White Shadow I did? So, you know. Hey, man, sometimes you're right. You got to say something, especially if it's somebody that you liked like that, and sometimes you have nothing to say. Well, I mean, uh, you know, it was was so like uh, I was on an airplane once with Terry Bradshaw and the whole plane, even the pilots came out to say hello to him, and... uh, you know, oh, you're the greatest quarterback of all time. Steelers this, Steelers that. And I'm sitting right next to him. Yeah, and, and you're a Steelers fan. Yeah, but I was playing it cool. And then he just kind of looked at me like, all right, what do you want to say to me? And I'm like, uh, right. I loved you and Hooper. <laughs> and he kind of laughed. <coughs> I was going to say, why didn't you say like you loved his commercials or something? Well, you know, I did the same thing to Cindy Crawford once when we were uh, outside of some Japanese. Oh, my God. You met Cindy Crawford. How did that go? What did what the fuck did you say to Cindy Crawford? And tell me this was in her heyday. We were like, no, married to Richard was like Gere. in the mid-90s or something. Yeah, that was kind uh, of, her, well, early 90s, I guess, would be her heyday. But that's still pretty close. And uh, we were outside of a restaurant. and Actually, I had just done a comedy show, but I parked in this restaurant's valet thing, and she was there at the restaurant and it's just me and her and you know we're as close as you and i are right now about 10 feet from each other she's looking at me i'm looking at her and uh i could tell she's just begging for me to say hey begging for the dick no not that but uh you know begging for me to say i loved you and whatever and i'm just looked at her and go i gotta tell you something miss crawford fair game good movie <laughs> yeah which now, is like one of the worst movies i know i, mean, I, used it to, was a I taped it when i was a kid it was stephen baldwin or one of the Steve, baldwins uh, i think it was uh, billy yes uh billy baldwin, billy baldwin. Uh, the yeah. bad guy from beverly hills cop the uh you know i forget his name but that was like, a late night hbo showing they used that was a favorite they used to like to uh double feature that with naked souls by uh the great pamela anderson or no, was Naked Souls Pamela? Yeah, Naked Souls Pamela Anderson, or uh, or the uh, the Water Pick movie with uh, 
Anna Nicole Smith. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, there's so many of those movies that get made. And all I actually had a bat one of those moments uh, recently. I was flying back from Ohio for Christmas, and uh, I'm going through Houston Airport, and Houston's one of those weird. Um, Airports that when you have to catch your connection, you actually have to go up and get on a like a metro, like a uh, monorail train to get taken down to the next uh, section. And as I'm getting on the train, Scotty Pippen, the great Scotty Pippen, is walking off. And I mean, I grew up watching the Bulls constantly uh, because we had WGN. It was the 90s, like the Scotty Pippen, Michael Jordan had to say something and he had his like beats on so i just looked at him and my mouth dropped and he looks at me i could tell he was just like all right what and all i could do was give him the soldier salute and say thank you and he just like nodded and walked away but i was like that was enough didn't say you know didn't say enough to embarrass myself didn't have anything to say other than you're just awesome you were awesome to watch like yeah i mean you know i think as long as you're not a dick to these people yeah what am i gonna say can i have your fucking shoes or like yeah they like it everyone likes to be uh you know, acknowledged any celebrity who says uh, they don't is bullshit. And, you know, everyone right. It's like, hey, did you see Birdman yet? Uh, no, I probably won't. But uh, Wh- why is that? Um, I like to keep my movies uh, light. It's just, you know, I don't I can't say I don't have the time, but. Uh, well, they sent me the scre- the SAG screener. Is so- that the Mark Fidrich story? <laughs> it's uh no, it's the um, Michael Keaton. Yeah, the new Michael Keaton movie. Basically, the gist of Birdman is is that Michael Keaton plays, for all intents purposes, himself. Um, the like they have a they have his backstory is that he was like this big superhero long ago, which would be the original Batman yeah, in his life, and now um, nobody really remembers him f- except other than that, and that was like twenty years before. So he's trying to do a stage play based off of something that like a book and that he read when he was younger that influenced him when to be an actor. And it's just, you know, this movie is the uh, story of like three or four days before the opening of this, uh, this play that he's doing to be taken seriously. And he kind of says in there, like he makes this, this comment about like, you know, uh, the day that, that uh, Farrah Fawcett died, you didn't even know about it because Michael Jackson died. And he's like, I, I feel like I think about that when I'm on a plane. Like, what if this plane goes down and there's somebody more famous than me on this plane? Will anybody ever know I was on it? And that's what I feel like when I see some of these guys that I grew up being a fan of. I'm like, I don't feel like it's embarrassing to them because who knows when they've heard it last. Seriously, I was I was on a date one night in uh, one of those like you cook your own food in a fondue part pot at the thing and i'm on it's like a literally a first date with this girl and i look at the table across from us and i look at my date and i go i'm 99 sure that's christy mcnichol and oh. she goes who's that and i go oh she was on empty nest but she was in my favorite like after school special show called pinwheels and so she so we like as we're on the date i'm looking it up on my phone i'm showing her i go this is her and she goes that's not her i go i'll bet you dinner that it's her and she's like, okay, I'll take that bet. So I just stand up and walk over, like walk across the table. And I go, excuse me, were you in pinwheels? And she goes, yes, I was. I don't think anybody's remembered that. God, I can't remember the last time somebody remembered that. And I go, I, I was a big fan of that show when I was like real little, like watching that. And 
I just wanted to say hi. I was like, it was it was awesome to meet you, just saying hi. And she goes, that really made my day. Thank you. And like when she left, she like came over to our table and said like, thanks again. That made my night. And like, oh cool. And said goodbye and whatever. And um, and for a first date, that was awesome because the girl was like, holy shit, I can't believe that you recognized her. But then after Christy McNichol walked away, she said, that's so cool that you uh, you saying something to her made her night like i was afraid when you walk when you went over there it would, it would be like embarrassing but you actually made her night so now i now i just never have any shame like if if it's an appropriate moment or something you know she was actually eating by herself so i didn't feel like you know i was interrupting anything well it's like uh the other day at equinox i uh, mean maybe i shouldn't have said the gem but, uh, <laughs> dude anybody that follows you on social media knows what the fuck I saw uh, Frank Grillo, very, uh, he's a big uh, character actor, gets a lot of leads, too, in yeah. smaller films. Uh, he got on the elliptical next to me. I'm like, dude, you are in blind justice. And Wait, was looked, that was that uh, Rugger Hauer blind justice, or is that Blind Fury? No, that's Blind Fury. Blind okay. Justice was on ABC about 06 or 07-ish. And it was a story about a New York City street cop who, uh, on the first episode, during a bank heist, he comes down, tries to stop it. He gets shot in the eye, or, or shrapnel hits him in the eye, so he's blind. Okay. And uh, but he, they still let him carry a gun. Uh, and it was a big uh, show at the time because it was Stephen Bochco, you know, NYPD Blue. Right. So it was like, oh my God, it must be a good show if Stephen Bochco's doing it and uh it was it, it a good show earl i liked it uh you know i didn't so it probably wasn't a very good show got or? canceled well it had quality people in it i mean uh half the cast from miami vice was in it and they couldn't understand no. why it didn't take off ron eldered uh who's a very uh you know uh good actor he, he's in a lot of things he played the guy the blind cop and then uh uh, a lot of character actors you go oh i know that right guy. right uh, like there's a bald guy who played the police sergeant uh this guy's in everything uh, he's in the mentalist right now i forget his name uh but he he's if you look up his imdb page it's got to be 100 well over 100 credits right so uh is fucking it, envious of people like that a lot of guys like that yeah i'd great. love that i would love to be like I wouldn't mind at all to be in like a hundred different projects, even as just like a small part, just because every every part you're you're playing something different. Well, it's like the Mexican guy you've seen everything with all the tattoos. I'm not Danny Trejo, but there's another dude. I don't know his Emilio? name. Emilio? No, no, Rivera? not Emilio no. Rivera. Uh, he's like uh, usually a shaved head, and he's literally from his ears to wherever is tattoos and he's always like the bad guy or the gang banger yeah or the tattoo shop owner maybe he's in nip tuck he had a great role in nip tuck a recurring role and he was probably typecast yeah well i mean there's only much uh, have to which let me since you have your beard has that changed your acting uh a lot of callbacks a lot more callbacks because because see like whenever i go into uh when i've talked to my agent i'll go like hey i'm not getting you know what the fuck like what am i doing wrong or whatever and they'll say oh you're not doing anything wrong i'll say hey should i grow out facial hair and see if there's any change in it at all and uh there's no 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 you shouldn't but there are numerous commercials earl that i've gotten callbacks for and i when i finally see him on tv the guy that got the part had a has a fucking beard or has a mustache or something 
I'm trying to uh, look up that actor. Uh, um, well, I mean, uh, like I, uh, Jesus, I think Lois just burped. Um, luckily, it's not a UFC fight going on right now. But <laughs> um, sorry about that. I think we had a thunder and lightning outside. Um, but uh, you know, I've gotten a lot of callbacks, and uh, lately I've been like in at one particular uh audition place where they stop me every time to go, hey do you want to read for this thing too now um, that's awesome see because i've just my thing is that ever since christmas i just went you know what if i don't have an audition i'm not fucking shaving anymore it's oh. what's the point and i notice i get a lot more looks on the street from when, a lot a lot more because i like no more than usual but i notice it's just like kind of a different kind of look or different women looking at me that weren't before and uh i know you're a taken man right now but anytime you're uh you see women's likes or whatever they always mention they like a beard oh yeah 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 we are looking at that uh tattooed actor i was just talking about was robert lasardo yeah and just to uh you think that what did you type in just out of curiosity to find him and this guy has 108 <laughs> credits on IMDb. Holy so, shit, uh, man. Yeah, and like just in he's got five projects already in 2015. And he's got something listed Sky Sharks as Father Rodriguez in 2017. So Jesus. That just goes to show you any look uh can uh, you know get out there like uh, you know with my beard and because it's got a little gray in it and at in the front i'm getting a lot of auditions for dads like younger dads yeah and, um you know it's uh but they don't know what they well because like you know one of the schools of thought of people say is like you don't want to get pigeonholed into one part I do. but then right but then like one of my acting teachers said he goes why not you're working yeah well the, you know no one knows uh, what they're talking about you know yeah it's different for everybody but that's what i was wondering because you you're a person who you're just like me clean shaven or you have you just let it go it's you're never like you're never grooming this shit you're never drawing designs in it or doing anything stupid or no no well that's not gonna get you any work but you know dude it actually will it actually will you know how many auditions i see on the casting sites like looking for someone with funky facial hair or funky look to them or that kind of shit and you're like the fuck like well actually i saw you know you're right i mean it it depends on whatever uh what was i uh auditioning for the other day uh we've we've probably really narrowed down our our listening audience to about one person at this point yeah (laughs) with this talk but it's true for for people that listen like there are actors that listen and this kind of shit it makes a difference sometimes having facial hair We'll get you more work. But there's uh there was a dude I saw like Jesus Christ, this guy looks like a fucking freak. He had like uh he looked like a hippie, he had like a Raleigh Fingers mustache and uh like a uh, Yahoo serious like Ted Fro, Nugent kinda. afro and I'm like, This guy doesn't get anything. I literally came home from the audition, turned on the T V and he was in a Wendy's commercial. So uh, <sighs> Yeah. It's you know, it's, uh, you know, welcome to Hollywood. And uh, I disagree with you. I think. Uh, oh, is Eddie Vedder playing for the Seahawks now? Or is that Cheddar versus Vedder? Yeah, there's Eddie Vedder standing on the field talking to Pete Carroll from well, today's game. 
Good old Pete Carroll put the USC program about a decade behind with his uh, well, shenanigans. But when we were watching the game today, the my buddy I'm watching it with goes, "Listen, they're really trying to play up that Seattle thing because you could hear smells like Teen Spirit played the background." And I actually made the joke like, "What are they going to play? Like the whole Pearl Jam Ten album at halftime?" And sure enough, there's Eddie Vedder. Now that you know, seven hours later, we're watching this, and there he is, grinning like a baboon on the field. Well, I like. Well, don't, don't uh, say baboon when we're talking about NFL players. Uh, <laughs> well, like, we're watching the UFC previews. Like, uh, yeah, the great John Jones and uh, uh, John Jones is a great fighter, though. I mean, he he's like I. I wish UFC were a little more mainstream because I really don't think people are appreciative of Dude, the cocaine, greatness cocaine, of John Jones. I was gonna say cocaine aside. He's probably. Would you say he's probably the most lethal athlete oh, that we've seen since maybe like Mike Tyson or something like that? He's the like best that? ever. Because I know, I know Mayweather. You know, is is undefeated, but I wouldn't say that Mayweather is a guy that you have the yeah, but he doesn't the fear of like bl- beating somebody to a bloody pulp. But he doesn't take on the best guys. I mean, he right. You know, he any, waits till they're out of their prime and then accepts fights five years later. John Jones only fights the best. And what's crazy about John Jones is he beats you at whatever you're good at, which is crazy. Like no shit. He just uh, can he, he can out wrestle you out jujitsu out. Well, he hasn't really been. Uh, he hasn't really faced a, ju- a true jujitsu crazy guy but like the his last fight last week uh, or two weeks ago whatever it was uh, against daniel cormier cormier is in a, literally a, a wrestled in the olympics uh he finished in fourth but still that's pretty good right uh and he i think he was like an all-american and uh jones out wrestled him you know his fight before that he fought uh i think gustafson who's known as a striker he outstruck gustafson fight before that he he didn't really get in a jiu-jitsu war but uh he fought vidor belfort who's like a ufc legend and and belfort is a severe black belt in jiu-jitsu i mean a brazilian black belt yeah and you know you can ask rogan this next time you see him at the store he'll tell you there's different levels of black belt right know? right i mean i literally could start the earl skakel uh jiu-jitsu school and give someone a black belt but it probably wouldn't mean too much like you get a Brazilian black belt <laughs> in Brazil, yeah. you're good. Uh, and Belfort had John Jones in a uh, armbar, and it was locked in. And Jones just literally picked Belfort up, and this is a roided up Belfort. Uh, <laughs> no, he was he was got popped, T- tested, yeah, uh, right after that fight, and just got out of an armbar of a, a Brazilian black belts, uh, you know. Dude, no one does that. Uh, so he's he's like, uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does now. They'll probably have him fight Gustafson one more time because it was such a you know close fight. Right. Some people even had Gustafson. Well, win. he was supposed to be at the game today. He oh. had he uh, his his mom had said that she knew that he was going to leave uh, at least by today. She he was going to leave rehab. Even though he left after like twenty four hours, she said, "Oh, I knew he was going to leave because he wanted to go to." He said he was going to go to the uh, NFC Championship game or whatever. Well, I think his brother plays on Baltimore, right? Or he has two brothers in the NFL, right? Maybe that's what it was. Maybe he was going to be. Maybe, maybe it was last Jones. week. Maybe last week was the game that he was going to be there for. Let but me, I remember uh, hearing about that recently that he he was going to be out because he was going to go to that thing. 
But Joey Diaz recently said he's like, I knew he was on coke. He goes, I had heard rumors. Like, uh, he goes, a couple of people in L.A. had told me rumors. And then he said, uh, I think it was maybe on Rogan's podcast. He goes, remember the time that we were all, me, you, Ari, and all of us were eating uh, and after the fight and John Jones came over and sat at our table when he walked away, I looked at Ari and I said, people say he's on cocaine. I think he is. And uh, so, sure enough. He claims it was like a one-night partying thing. Yeah, no one does coke for one night. Right, and and his mom kind of like, in her interview or whatever she said in the, in the press, she made it sound like, well, I know what he said, and and he and he's told me the truth, but I, I think him go, checking into rehab was the right thing to do, and then he he left right away. So Okay, this is uh, John Jones' uh, breakdown. His uh, brother Arthur is a uh, defensive lineman for the Indianapolis Colts. Then you must have been there today. And his younger brother, uh, Chandler, is a defensive lineman for the New England Patriots. uh, And his older sister, Carmen, died of brain cancer. Oh, so it was today. So it was today. Because today was Patriots versus Colts. Yeah, we'll uh, edit that. uh, Sorry about his sister, Carmen. Uh, That's no fun. You didn't kill her. Well, I mean, brain cancer. I can't can't even imagine how painful that is. But... uh, so he has two brothers in the NFL, which is pretty cool. It shows you. I don't know what the parents were like, but if you right have, ultimate, uh, if you have two athletes. sons in the NFL, your your third son is the, probably the greatest. Uh, you know, most people before John Jones came o- around uh, was would uh, I think probably say that either Anderson Silva was the greatest of all time, or uh, my favorite, the great Russian Emperor Fedor Emelianenko. Uh, you know, who went 10 years being undefeated well, uh, before he got blasted by th- three straight fights. You and think that has something to do with age or? Well, he just, he wasn't, uh, he, he was like, uh, he was only about 230 pounds. And uh, the, the first fight he lost to uh, the current champion, Fabricio Verdum, who's like 250, uh, you know, and then he, uh, who did he lose to? Uh, Bigfoot Silva. Who is literally a f- you know like three hundred pounds on fight night? He's two sixty five, but then uh, you know uh, you know they have to uh, two sixty five is the heavyweight limit, but then after right. they weigh in, they, they can, can eat, eat whatever they right, want. Right, right, and they usually what weigh in the night before. Or they two weigh in uh, like a f- Saturday night fight, Friday afternoon. Okay, uh, so he you know literally is probably close to uh, you know two two eighty five, two ninety. And Fedor's 230, and it was just an awful fight to watch. And then uh, Dan Henderson knocked him out. So he lost, like, three straight fights. and But then he won three straight against these tomato cans. I mean, they literally, they were like, well, let's have him end his career on a good... So he went over to Russia, fought Jeff Monson, who couldn't get any fights because he had, like, an anarchy, like, white supremacist tattoos. Right. okay. And he was literally limping on his way to the octagon, so uh maybe he should take on uh mickey rourke now well fedor's done he makes too much money in russia being a politician and uh, uh, mickey rourke another equinox member along with me frank grillo and uh you know fabio is a member there and uh earl i gotta ask jack black is a member of equinox you got a fucking uh pink mike knuckles uh, provided by stephen piercy at mike knuckles uh uh, that's uh, on Twitter, M-I-C Knuckles, for, but I know my fans aren't that bright, so it's uh, M-I-C-K-N-U-C-K-L-E-S, Mike Knuckles. Uh, buy a pair. But I'm looking, and 
you you have like a matching pair of shoes that match them. Where did you find Fuchsia Nike Air Force Ones? Well, I don't want to name the website because they don't give me any money. Uh, but there's a particular website on uh, I used to go uh, tennis shoe shopping on. Holy shit, those are they're awesome, man, because they're like they're like suede. Yeah, yeah, with no, the swoosh is kind of like snakeskin looking. Yeah, they're really uh, shoe fanatics out there. Earl and I are big shoe fanatics. Cool pairs of shoes. This one particular set is like orange Nikes, pink, bright pink Nikes. I really am bummed out. I got these new uh, Adidas. They're they're Adidas originals with the uh, strap with the gold plate. Where'd you get those? eBay, dude. I got them for like 18 bucks on eBay. Somebody got them and they didn't fit them. So... Oh, eBay's great for uh, you can get the and and I told you I bought this shoe cleaner. Anybody that has like is a shoe fanatic like us, go. I know they have it at Nordstrom. Uh, Tweet at Jordan. Uh, yeah, Jordan the Lion. Dad, what's your Twitter? I cannot uh, plug products that don't pay Daddy any money. Yeah, it's a new era for yeah. Earl. Tweet tweet me, but there's a. Uh, but there's what's a, uh, your Twitter? Jordan the Lion on Twitter. Um, there's a product that just they will clean your shoes to a brand new status and the, the product's only like 16 bucks they'll clean 100 pairs of shoes for 16 bucks um i was skeptical because i've uh i've had that kind of shoe like different shoe cleaners used on my shoes before and they'll do the job but uh but friends of that got them done regularly were like that stuff will eat away at your shoes um this stuff doesn't actually and it's it's like a coconut oil based thing but I literally did five pairs of shoes, two of the pair that you gave me, and they looked brand fucking new afterward. And literally, it takes literally less than a minute to to clean an entire pair and just wipe them off with with a a, a towel. Oh um, yeah, I mean that's uh, it's just the shit just turns into like foam on your shoes, and then you just literally wipe it off with any old towel, and your shoes look amazing. So, well, yeah. you know, I just buy a new pair of shoes when that happens. Well, not all of us are uh, fucking political royalty like you earl well i believe in Me- mean- meanwhile you've got eight thousand awesome pairs of shoes and a tv that makes everybody look like we're watching the fucking monsters well i'm pumping money into the podcast and uh you know last night it was make a- donations to earl's podcast so you can get a new tv well, i mean you i mean you know people uh daddy's porn can't be in green forever kickstarter i'm not doing a kickstarter but uh you know, if you want me to do a better podcast, well, I mean, the sound is actually as good as it's ever going to be. There's nothing I could buy that's going to make this sound better. I don't think anybody's bitching about your podcast. No, everyone's they? cool. I mean, they do say maybe you the three or four weeks off that that happened because people won't come be the guest on it. But, but it's but tough to, uh, you know, I mean, this is uh, this is if the, Lois could talk. Yeah, well, this would be that this will be the fiftieth episode. So it, it's, uh, but I do get a compliment. Uh, many times over like i can't believe you get the quality of guests you do uh but you know i appreciate that i assume they're talking about me or i think they're talking about bobby brown you know oh uh, yeah Steve well, that's, Piercy, po- that's possible uh, jared levin uh, jared levin uh you know carlos herrera eric back in the new york gruber uh whitney lee rice uh i mean she's blowing up i mean uh you know, so I try and get a mix of people like you and her, you know, up and comers. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, try and get established people. And uh, I got. Uh, You're going to have Tommy Morris on or. I would actually. But, uh, you know, the Tommy Morris will never, ever work in the entertainment industry again. And that's good enough for me. Well, I can tell you this, Earl. There's I Terry have, Bradshaw. There. I have heard for a fact that he 
did listen to the Tommy Morris episode of the Inappropriate Earl cast. But I, you know what? If I saw him on the street, I would not run from him. Like, you know, he cannot say I said one thing in that episode that was wrong. You were voicing your opinion, man. And, and uh, you know, you and I both, we've talked about this since on the podcast. Like, your arguments were valid. And, uh, and I'm sure he has his reason why he, hey, as the, as the, uh, that's the beauty of being, I guess, the, uh, the talent booker for any comedy club is that you get to shape the way that you want the talent to be at that place while you're there. Yeah, and once he, you're gone, it, it will change to someone else's likings. Well, but I mean, like I said, uh, I don't know on, uh, what podcast I said this, but, uh. I don't think it's uh, any accident that he's been gone from the comedy store for uh, is that about five months. Yeah, probably so. And seems like September-ish or August, something like that. Yeah, well, I know he was fired the night or let go, whatever you want to call it. When you guys it, were in San Diego doing roast battle in La Jolla, so um, that's that was about five, four or five months ago. So I think it's pretty telling that not one comedy club, a management company, or agency has hired him. So if he was so good at it his job... Might be in negotiations. No, it's hardly that. Uh, no one wants a failed musician, uh, which is what he is. You know, uh, that's just, I don't think I'm out of line saying that. Uh, Might be an up-and-comer. Well, you know... If he was so good at his job at the comedy store, someone would have hired him by now. Uh, and that's just a fact. It's not me talking shit. But this is this is an open an open uh, invite, I think, from you. Oh, you I said would have if, him on if in he, two seconds. If he'd like to be on and give his side of anything or even just sit down and have a conversation with you about maybe why he didn't want to give you an opportunity, why not? Why not fucking have him on? Well, because I wasn't giving him weed. Or studio time. Well, why I mean, that's something that could be talked about. You I know, mean, they say in uh, the, you know, I was watching a thing on the OJ uh, trial on CNN. and That's topical. They were talking about, well, CNN's, at the, you know. In, a, that's more topical than anything. I think we're having a power outage. Come on, dude, don't do that into my mics. Have some class. You know. <laughs> They uh, when they were going over the glove demonstration, and they said never a ask a question in the court that you don't know the answer to. Right. And I know the answers to why he he didn't pass me. So what what's your what what do you think? I've heard I've heard. I wasn't a rumor. giving him anything. That's probably that's very possible. Uh, you know, and but I get the the greatest salvation is when I go on. Uh, before or after people he passed, and uh, let's just say I do as good as they do. Well, I'll tell you if you want to know what I what the rumor that I had heard over time. Sure. What, what the rumor was that he, uh, or and this is just what various people had told me when I would say I don't understand why Earl's. What they had told me was that Tommy felt that you were overprivileged, that you you didn't. That you uh, maybe because of your lot in life that you he wasn't going to give you a chance because why should you get everything? 
but I do mean, you know? Do you, does that make sense? That's what I had heard. Not was at that, all. Well, well, that, that's I'm just saying. What I had heard was was that was that you know it was like well, he just get you know he's but, rich. He can have anything he wants. Well, he can't have this. That but kind just of mentality. to show you how. Uh, I don't even know what the right word flawed that logic is. He passed Ashley Hamilton, who's you know I don't George know. Hamilton's kid yeah, who didn't even fucking do comedy. Jesus so, Christ! And, and nothing against Ashley Hamilton. I don't know him, but it's like uh, so. What's you know uh, so because uh, so and so uh, is George Hamilton's kid. Uh, that's not a, a, a privileged life or. Ab- you know. You're absolutely correct. He just got off on the mind fox. Or when Shay, when I, you know, when I hear the rumor, like, or like, people tell the stories about like Shay LaBeouf, his dad used to come in and like throw around, you know, that he was Shay LaBeouf's father, and they would give him stage time, or they would de- they would demand Danish Nonia give him stage time. Well, I mean, I I don't think he was a good talent coordinator, and I don't want to bore people with that. Uh, I, I think I've, you know. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll put myself up against anyone Tommy passed the last five years, and I'll feel very comfortable following them. Are you uh, Are you enjoying being a paid regular? Is it Is it uh, Oh, I love. Has it. it changed your approach to comedy at all, or has it um, Not made all. you more comfortable on stage now? Oh, I mean, because uh, I've I've seen a couple of your sets, and you've done extremely well, like in tough in tough rooms where like i saw people i don't want to say dying before you but choking on fucking quicksand before you and you had to come up and follow that and we're able to get the crowd on your side and get them laughing well because they give up and they don't uh in fact i think one of my favorite moments now of of ever seeing you on stage was new year's eve and uh you're up there working this crowd which anybody knows after new year's eve that's when people you know after midnight people start filing out the crowd thins out they they've seen a lot of comedy they probably got there at eight or nine o'clock earl comes up there and some cocksucker on the front patio starts letting off fireworks and without missing a beat you look out the window and say my first new year's as a paid regular and i'm competing against kiss on the front patio and the crowd just lost it i mean like great timing and very topical for what you like to do yeah, well i mean you know that's one of the few benefits of playing shitholes and biker bars and you know uh weird performing venues is there's nothing i haven't seen yeah nothing in 15 years uh y- you know now that is where I would agree with Tommy. Like if I didn't if I didn't do comedy for fifteen years in the fucking jungles, I, I'd say, yeah, I don't deserve Sal's comedy hole. <laughs> Sal's comedy hole. I mean I've uh you know Marty's bakery uh places in Compton. Dude, you you were performing at a at a uh parking lot of like a fucking pizza place at one point, weren't you? Yeah, Kenny Lyons pizza parlor show. Uh, where we you're getting heckled by black trannies. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't. It doesn't matter what color they were. It's your but, fan base, uh, yeah. So, you know, I I worked my ass off for 15 years. Yeah, I mean, my parent. I didn't come from like a poor background, but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, there's not one comic in this city who can say they've outworked me. Yeah. Um. 
even now, even well, now I that mean, you're well, I mean, even now that you're a paid regular, a lot of people, uh, you know, like if you if you looked at their page, you'd be like, okay, so they're doing the comedy store three nights this week. That's that's it. That's all they're doing. You're still doing rooms I've never fucking heard of. Mexican restaurants and shit. I still see you posting every day that you're like doing this place this night, whatever. It hasn't changed. I mean, it hasn't changed the rooms you're doing. You're well, still you're still going up in front of as many people as you can get access to. Why not? I mean, you know, I'm not going to. Well, get dude, up. a lot of people look at getting passed as a comedy store as like a finish line of some sort. Well, you know, it's just the start of one because exactly. now I'm basically the lowest ranked paid regular. Right, but look at how many paid regulars are on that lineup that don't perform anywhere else. Well, that's that's a, was a huge uh, to me one of the biggest criticisms of Tommy was people that got started the store and never have branched out beyond it. Adam is, uh, you know, and this actually hurts me. Uh, he's bringing in, you know, the David Spades, the the Rob Schneiders, right. The, uh, Norm Rogan uh, is back because of Adam, you know, Norm. So the spots were tight as is, but now there's even fewer for guys like me and Candace. Well, and not only that, but when Tommy was coordinating, he had 16 headliners on per show. And I think Adam's taking it down to 12. Well, yeah, because it's, uh, you know, Judd Apatow. Right. And I don't think it's any accident that uh, under Adam... uh, you know, there's just a better energy uh, up there. The, the lineups are better. There's Hot no more. Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, well, I mean, good shows. Chicks want to come, and then the guys want to come where the chicks are. Uh, you know, you don't walk up the stairs to the, the cover booth and, 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 and see some guy who looks like fucking Skeletor uh, <laughs> with a mullet, um, you know, playing God, shitting on people, and... Uh, you know, I don't think it, it, the story in the five or six years that I've been up there has never been better. And you, right. you, you know, but Adam is getting, I think, r- rid of people who just do comedy at the store. You know, it's not a fucking hobby. It's, you know, a business and a, a privilege to get on stage. Not, oh, well, I've been up here 10 years. Tom used to give me two spots a week. Well, th- that era. Well, dude, over. I'll, t- I'll tell you one of the things that I saw change recently that you never would have saw. Uh, somebody doing a development spot, and when their spot didn't go so well afterward, I saw them like kind of having a breakdown, saying like, "I hope at telling somebody, I hope Adam doesn't find out about this. I hope well, he will." Right, but you would have never, you would have never heard about that. Like nobody would have ever done that when Tommy was doing development spots because he never went in and watched any. He of didn't them. care. Right, like, it was know, like it was like, not a whether or not you did well. People didn't seem to have any kind of fear of their spot and this night i'm actually hearing somebody saying like well i fucking i i had a shitty crowd i did a shitty set and now adam's gonna find out that i i had a shitty night you know shit like that it's like that's what you want there's people that yeah you want people that have to fucking can't go up there and do the same like stupid dick and pussy jokes that they've done for the three years i've been going there constantly doing the same jokes thinking that they're gonna get passed on that shit you have to develop new stuff Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you, you even the people who get development spots are uh, just like that, and you know that might be the newest paid regular there. Jesus, dude, what did you eat, man? Don't ever come over here after whatever you just ate again. I feel like Clarence Clemens is playing the trombone right now. Um, 
That's insulting, Earl. It's just a different era up at the store, man. And, you know, the days of, you know, Tommy used to give what I call fuck-off spots to people. Like, oh, yeah, here's your spot. Get out of my hair. Adam doesn't do that. Yeah. You know, and, and yes, me and Adam are friends, but it's not like you know, he's giving me Dalia spots. I'm going on, you know, 12.45, 1 o'clock. Right. I probably don't deserve anything better than that right now i'm not well i mean you're not nobody i don't think anybody gets anything better than that when they first get passed yeah i mean i don't like uh, you know i mean i'm not on tv so it's like you know but i think going up late is not an easy spot i mean it's crowds dead usually they've you know been hit over the head with you know two hour three hours of comedy crowd work to death so you can't really at that time of night, it's hard to talk to anybody because they they don't want to talk anymore. They've heard it all. Where are you from? Oh, what do you do? And a joke about that job or that city. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but I love going on late night. Just, uh, you know, I have a, I have, you know, 15 years of experience of, of you know, jokes. So there's not one person who's going to throw me a curveball. Yeah. Uh, so usually, uh, so uh, I love being up there at the comedy store, and you know it's definitely like I did the uh, L.A. Riot Festival y- last night, do roast battle. Right, right. And uh, I you could definitely sh- tell you should I'm talk more about that a little bit. Well, I'm definitely I could tell I was definitely more respected up there. Like, uh, you know, a lot of TV comics were coming up to me who I didn't even know knew me. And hey, congratulations on getting passed. And uh, you know, you're you were always one of our favorite comics to watch. And but you know, blah blah blah. And uh, you know, I mean, I would. Uh, I hope to next year get on that as a you know a stand up. You know, last night was did the you, roast did battle. you did you at all feel like uh, the ultimate warrior at the uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremonies where everybody was just coming up and apologizing for all the shit they'd said over the years no, to this really. guy? And I mean, I think I'm. Uh, you know, I think Amy Hawthorne uh, put up a poll uh, I'll bet. Uh, uh, on her blog uh, or, you know, w- website right. or whatever uh, you call it about uh, it was like a fantasy uh, uh, guess the next paid regular uh, pool. Uh, and uh, I was like the, the unanimous decision. Uh, yeah. You know, I think it was like guys like me and Tebow, and uh, I think Eric Marino, and a couple girls like Jen Murphy, and right. uh, but uh, you know, I, I think uh, I don't think too many people were disappointed when I got passed. Well, dude, or know, Candace, you, Candace is great you, too. You and now the Macho Man. Yeah, I mean it's uh, Warrior, it's Sting, a- Macho Man, Sting in the WWE. I don't think it's an accident that me and him, uh, you know. Dude, but his was by choice. Mine was because a maniac was in charge, who used to uh, fucking book mail review shows in Jacksonville. All of a sudden, he knew what comedy was. So, <laughs> but that's true. That's true. You can't like. Uh, there, there's not. You know, talking shit is like saying, "Well, uh, you know, so and so comic sucks." why do they suck well they fuck them i don't know they just suck you know well that's not really a good reason i give reasons behind what i say and you cannot deny that tommy morris uh, before he came out here to be a musician 
which hasn't happened. Uh, if you're waiting for the newest Tommy Morrison album to drop on iTunes, uh, good luck. Uh, I mean, even I have an album out on iTunes. You have to be a moron. You don't get any of the money out of it. But well, that's because TuneCore ripped me off. But So don't <laughs> buy my album. I'm telling but you. But it's on there. <laughs> no, but don't buy it. I don't want. Uh, I, I don't even know Once where the money goes. you put it up goes. on your website and give it away for free at this point? Well, basically, I am because I'm not getting any money for this fucking thing. That's what the great thing about a podcast. You can't take my money from this podcast because it's free. So, uh, you know, if you want to give me money for my comedy album, uh, just PayPal me ten dollars at eskakel at aol.com. Make sure you send it as a gift. It's called Skakel, right? But otherwise, you get uh, fees taken out. I know the scams. You send it as a gift, and it's a family member, and uh, I get the whole 10 bucks. So <laughs> even Fred Corey said this is a world-class really? setup, and yeah. that's coming from a guy who's in the music business to, you know, as Pro Tools and all that Rode stuff. Rode around on the, on the best tour buses of of the 80s oh yeah fred's the best man i mean uh this podcast uh i think we'll uh, i might do a double release i might do a use your illusion one and two uh release <laughs> stagger the releases of inappropriate earl and then uh not do one for another four months but i got some big big uh feelers out i got the i can't give it away so don't ask who, who? but i i can't who but i have a let's just say this a cast member from predator who uh, didn't say he would do it, uh, but he said, my publicist will call you. And, you know, he, he he's tweeted me back every time. So uh, that's how I started with Piercy. It took me three or four months. Jesse Ventura. Uh, I can't say. I'm not going to give it away, but it would be a fantastic interview because this dude has been in the entertainment business for 35 years. And he's not just an actor. He produces. He's so, I mean, that cuts out the Indian and uh, the first two guys that got killed. So is he the alien so itself? That no, that guy died of AIDS, blood wow. transfusion. Kevin Peter Hall, Jesus. also uh, Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, was that that was who that was? Yeah. Holy shit! And if you ever I thought that was a real Bigfoot. No, yeah. Well, they uh, I, no, unless it was a WNBA player. Uh, <laughs> if you ever want to see the Predator without his makeup on. Uh, or Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. There's a great sequel to Fast Times in Ridgemont High, at Ridgemont High. It's loosely based sequel called The Wildlife, with Sean Penn's brother Chris Penn, uh, in it. He, Kevin Peter the Hall, the now dead Chris Penn. Yep, he's dead now. R.I.P. Uh, Kevin Peter Hall was the strip club bouncer who slaps comedy store paid regular Angel Salazar in the face when he's trying to look in at the girls. So, uh, you know, and uh, great for you music junkies and uh, it's probably a good uh, way to somewhat wrap up this. Um, Eddie Van Halen did the whole soundtrack to the wildlife, mainly instrumentals. There's this instrumental called Donut City. And uh, how how has nobody heard of the wildlife? I've never even heard of it. It was pretty, uh, un you know, it didn't do well at the box office. And uh, I think they thought, well, we'll get Sean Payne's brother who kind of looked like him. And it's really funny. Uh, but uh, just to finish up the basically the soundtrack to the wildlife all done by Eddie Van Halen in some form were demos for the next Van Halen album with Sammy Hagar. Because if you... Uh, 
listen to that first Hagar album, it's like, wow, this song's a lot like the Wildlife uh, soundtrack, if you had seen that movie. Oh, wow. And, uh, it's got Eric Stoltz in it. Do you own it? Uh, well, I, you don't. Uh, it's not an official release, so you have to go on YouTube. and. and okay, and, uh, so that's what, okay. Um, so, but it was, a, you know, it's 83, 84 came out, because I guess Fast Sands was 82, and it's got a great cast, Eric Stoltz. Yeah, uh, Angel Salazar, who was also uh, you know Chichi and Scarface. Yeah, uh, Leah Thompson, who looks fucking beautiful. Howard it. the Duck, and the future playing the horny police cop. And I really wish that this guy were more known. Uh, the, I would the, love the, un- to the have unknown comic with the bag over his head. I would love to have this guy on the great, legendary Hart Bachner, who you may know, you might not know his name. But you will know him as Ellis from Die Hard, the coked up, uh, you know, fucking office guy who tried to <laughs> go and negotiate with Hans von Gruber and got, got his brains blown out by Alexander Gudinov, who died of AIDS, incidentally. Hey, it gets us all. So, uh, you know, the 80s were a great time. See, but this is what I love about you, Jordan. We, you, we have you... Come on, uh, talk about the Foo Fighters. And I think, oh, this will be like a half-hour podcast just to wrap up the show. Uh, you know, and here we are an hour and 30 minutes in talking about Hart Bachner. So, uh, you know, there you go. And uh, So if you know Hart Bachner, get his ass on the podcast. Hell, get him to buy an Earl's album. Earl could use a $10. But see, that's what I want to do, and that's from day one. I've always wanted this podcast to get people like Hart Bachner on. You know, everyone, you know, like you look at who Rogan gets, you know, Paul Stanley, these right. huge names. And obviously, I would love to have Paul Stanley on this podcast. Uh, but I thought, what's a niche? And you get these people like, you know, I guarantee if Hart Bachner gets on this podcast and then I start talking about Ellis from Die Hard, people are going to listen. Like, oh, my God, that guy was great. Well, I didn't know he was in this movie. And, uh, you know, uh, there's so many like smaller actors that are or musicians that i would love to get on just so people could go oh this is kind of different like well you never you never know man i mean uh joey diaz has been on tons of podcasts to the point where you think that there's nothing the guy could talk about that you haven't heard and one day he and i are sitting at a picnic table after one of his gigs at some shithole restaurant years ago and he starts telling me about the day that his dream came true and he got to work with James Coburn. And he told me this whole story about how he and James Coburn were smoking weed in his trailer and this and that. And it's like, you would have never heard that but out of anybody else. But it's like, James Coburn studied martial arts under Bruce Lee, for Christ's sakes. The Bruce, I mean, they're, like Bruce Lee took on like four students at that time. And I think it was like James Coburn... Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Steve McQueen. I mean, Steve and and like and like Dan Ayasanto, who yeah, I've so, met him. Right, yeah, and he's dude. Also, another great guy that you could get on the podcast. He has a a, a martial arts studio in like um, Marina Del Rey that you can just like literally call him up on the phone. I've looked it up. It's like the dojo's online. He'd be a great guest. He was uh, for those of you not knowing who Daniel Ayasanto is. Uh, uh, he was, if you ever watched the movie Game of Death, which is a fascinating movie. Right, Bruce Lee's last movie. Bruce Lee had died in like like 10 minutes into the... Literally, like they had like 10 to 15 minutes The of, movie of is him it, in it. 
When then, Bruce Lee's not in it, it's an, it's an absolute fucking monstrosity of a movie. But you They th- literally use cardboard cutouts of Bruce Lee. They use fake guys with sunglasses to pull off the look. I mean, it's But it's amazing comical. that yeah. they did it in 1979, you think. Right. Uh, you know... Like, like there was no CGI, there was no very little technology. <laughs> Not back there, then. there wasn't. Not but, in that one. But I mean, that movie was like they took like five years, six years off. Yeah, they, Chuck Norris is in it. Yeah, there's a great fight scene at the Coliseum. I right, think. Kareem's and, uh, in it. Uh, but Kareem wouldn't come back to finish it. So, like, if you watch Game of Death, you'll notice that the the huge black guy at the end is not Kareem anymore. Yeah. So uh, he did the the final fight scene, which I guess was one of the first things they filmed. And Daniel Inusanto was one, basically the the game movie Game of Death was the original. Uh, the main story behind it was Bruce Lee wanted to go up five levels, uh, and fight a different style, every level. Like one guy was going to be a karate guy, the next level was going to be like a nunchuck guy, and the. And, and so on and so forth. And I think Daniel was the first guy he fought. Right. So it was a great fight scene. Yeah. And then Kareem. He went up and fought Kareem. And uh, so, uh, but uh, it is a fascinating movie given how he, you know, how they basically jigsaw puzzled it together six years later. And the, I think the only guy to come back was the legendary kung fu man, Bob Wall. Yeah. Who was uh, the guy Bruce Lee kills. Well, uh, Dan, one of the impressive things about him is that he was actually, when Bruce Lee was on location filming, he, he's who Bruce Lee put in charge of his training his students. He was literally the right-hand man. And now what he does is he still teaches, but what Joey Diaz was telling me is that Dan will do um, these special, like once every couple of months, he'll do like a Sunday workshop for big men. Guys that are like 300 pounds plus and teach them how to do judo and jiu-jitsu and roll and teach them how to do it for a bigger man. Because like Joey was saying, he's like, a lot of this shit, you go into the schools and you start working on it and, and like you're a big guy, you're losing your air, you're, you know, you can't do everything and it's it's disheartening. It makes people give up. And he shows you as a big guy some of the things that you can do, ways to do things. He said it was like probably one of the best workshops for anything he's ever taken most informative so for anybody out there looking who's a bigger guide into getting into something like that look into it yeah i don't even know how you spell daniel's last name but that, i will plug that guy because i mean that guy taught bruce lee and was in uh you know, and, Game and get, let's get him on the podcast the guys like in oh, his lo- 70s. yeah but a guy like that's probably not going to come to west hollywood hey you never podcast. know till you ask him yeah no i'm uh trying to figure it out. now i'm asking anyone i'm tweeting private messaging celebrities uh you know, uh, I, and some are actually saying yes, like uh, Turtle from the North Shore, uh, great John Philbin said, "Yeah, I'll come on your podcast." I'm like, "You got to come to me." He's like, "Yeah, no problem." So uh, that's uh, for the those of you wondering what's coming up next. Uh, he's not coming up next. Fred Corey is, but uh, the Turtle from the North Shore, man, who doesn't want to? You know. And then I uh, tweeted Gregory Harrison, who played Chandler in North Shore, and I didn't hear back from him. But that's uh, all right. If you're friends with Gregory Harrison. Uh, or tweet, you know, just to get uh, some action out there on Twitter about Inappropriate Earl. Uh, tweet who you want me to have on the podcast. And if you know them, hook it up. Uh, if you don't, I'll try and... Uh, 
I'm sure your number one fan, uh, Twit Earl, will be on top of that. Twit Earl's a maniac, but that's not me. I, I don't know who it is, but uh, I can't even do my own Twitter, let alone a, a second identity. But uh, he's a very big, or or she uh, is a big, uh, he or she is a big supporter of me, and uh, that's who you want as fans. Got you know, guys or girls who. Uh, you know, I mean, I had one girl back in the MySpace days said, let me redesign your whole page for you. And I'm like, well, I, I, I can't really pay you. Uh, and she said, oh, I don't care. I just like, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. And, and she did this whole ultimate warrior design and all the sweets were. And, uh, you know, I've got this one person who's like, oh, I'll, I'll do a cool T-shirt design. And, uh, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm known enough. I don't want to be known more for my T-shirts than my act right now. So, uh but, uh, you know, I know Ari Shafir's got some really cool T-shirts, but he's yeah. you know, a lot more known than I am. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to But get... he became known for the podcast, so. Oh, yeah, Ari's like, like a, he, uh... He's the first one to admit it. He's like, without the podcast, there's no people coming to see me at shows. Like, that's what's brought me the fan bases doing the fucking podcast. Oh, yeah, Ari's like a mentor to me, and I don't even think he knows it. Because he's pretty, uh, I mean, we're friends, but, you know, he's a pretty quiet dude. So yeah. I, I don't, like, go up to him and, ooh. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was one of the people I've kind of modeled this whole uh, setup after. Because I see how it's worked for him and Duncan and Dean Del Rey. And, yeah. uh, you know, obviously we all want to get to Rogan's level and... Uh, you know, but uh, I'm happy uh, interviewing who I interview. So, uh, you know, and I can't think of a better way to end the show on Jordan's fourth gasser. Uh, like my old, uh, that was Lois. My old uh, cocaine buddy uh, JB used to say, "Ass, gas, or grass, nobody rides for free." And with Jordan tonight, nobody's ridden for free. So, follow Jordan Lee at. Jordan the Lion, Peace on, Pot, and Microdot. On Twitter, uh, uh, me at Earl Skakel. Uh, you know, we're on SoundCloud and uh, iTunes. Leave a review. It actually helps. The more reviews there are, you know, uh, the more we get featured. And, you know, when you get featured, that's when, like, Rogan fans go, oh, I'll, I'll check this guy out. And Ari fans go, oh, you know, so it really does help if you review us. Uh, and I leave them all up. If you don't like the, uh, you know, the podcast, say it. I mean, you know. I'm not encouraging you to do that, but uh, one guy wrote on a review that uh, I should leave the podcasting to the big boys. And then he mentioned I should ask uh, questions like Eddie Trunk does. And, uh, you know, well, if you did that, then why the fuck would uh, your podcast be any different than Eddie Trunk's? Well, I actually, uh, you know, I'm not like the biggest Eddie Trunk fan, but I always give him props for, uh, you know. Right, uh, but that's like somebody saying, hey. Why don't you why don't you uh, ask questions like Rogan? Well, because that's why Rogan is different because he asks shit his way and I'm asking shit my way. Yeah, well, I'm not like the biggest fan of how Eddie interviews people, uh, you know, uh, but he carries the torch for a genre of music that, you know, let's face it, in 2015, he actually played a uh, song on his uh, XM show the other night from Jeff Labar, who's a the guitar player from Cinderella and it was a new single from his new album and who on earth is playing that song from that album in 2015 but Eddie Trunk so I, I give him props for that yeah but but you know I, I don't want to ask questions like Eddie Trunk so uh, you know uh, but hey if you like Eddie Trunk listen to him if, if not you know listen to me or he's not sponsoring this podcast so fuck him i'll say it yeah yeah no listen to both of us i mean uh you know there's more than enough metal fans for all of us 
So uh, thank you guys very much. A big week for uh, the podcast. We're going to you know, release two episodes and uh, hopefully get a little more uh, regularity in the, in the schedule. I'm going to try and you know, release one every Monday, but uh, you know, some things are out of my hands. And uh, thank you, Jordan, very much for coming back for more. You got it. I hope this wasn't a, a, a snoozer for anyone. Well, you know, listen, if you guys don't like the questions out there, tweet what you want me to ask, and I won't. So, uh, <laughs> you know, go on uh, oh, com was taken down a long time ago. Thank you to Stevie Rochelle from uh, MetalSludge.tv for providing the music to Inappropriate Earl. I, sometimes I forget to thank him. And uh, thank you to uh, Stephen Piercy for providing the Mike Knuckles. Uh, go buy his uh, new single out on iTunes called I Can't Take It, produced, engineered by the legendary 80s man Bo Hill. And uh, we will see you guys soon. Yeah, dig it. <laughs>